Ready Check Radio. What's up, Internet? It's Thursday. It's 7 p.m. Eastern. That means here on Ready Check Radio, it's time for The Relic Grind, our Final Fantasy XIV Square NX podcast, where we talk about a bunch of stuff usually related to Final Fantasy XIV or Square Enix in some way. I'm your host, Mike Byrne, a.k.a. Magic Man, as always. This is episode 126. Man, we're getting there. We're getting there. Those numbers keep on getting bigger. We've got Twitch hanging out live, ready to chat, chime in with their opinions as we go along. And, of course, we'll share them with you. If you're watching on YouTube, listening on Audible, Spotify, any of the podcast platforms, thank you so much. Give it a like, a subscribe, turn on notifications, a review, all that good stuff that feeds the algorithm. And But most importantly, stop on over at the website there, readycheckradio.com. We've got all the socials in the upper right corner so you can follow and the entire backlog of Relic Grind episodes as well as our Saturday show, Gaming Gumbo, our weekly gaming wrap-up show. I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit about Xbox this Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern. We'd love to have you there. But most importantly, if you like what we do, Tell a friend. Join us for our live streams, whether that's Final Fantasy TCG or Tark or Torchwick or myself or Faye streaming. Faye will be up after the show today. Joining me to talk about all kinds of fun Squeenix stuff, Chris Montoya, a.k.a. Tarkoth. What's up, man? Greetings, programs. Uh, you know, I've just been lamenting all day the grim fate of single-player games. So it's a good thing Square Enix has a, a pretty popular MMO, so... Yeah, it's what, um, I, it's what I hear. Uh, although I don't know if Square Enix is exactly the company to be holding up as an example of single-player mm. games still being resounding successes, particularly when they are new IPs, a la Forspoken. Yeah. But, but... They know how to we'll wring the sponge out of their <laughs> old IPs, don't they? Yeah, that's about it. Uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll sure to loop back on that topic. Uh, Flynn, a little under the weather today, so he's getting some extra sleep. We hope he feels fine. He said he was feeling better today, just needed some extra sleep. So, since we're going to talk a little bit today about some Final Fantasy trading card game-related stuff, I reached out to Mr. Travis Pfeiffer, the Rude Rose. What's up, sir? Mr. Byrne, thank you so much for having me on. Tark, no. good to see you as well. No. Hey, Hello, happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming. It was very short notice, and I very much appreciate it. I very much appreciate it. Yeah, I know, Takao, you like Forspoken. You like for You and Tark, you both, you were the two. You were the two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To call, you know, actually, I haven't played it. It was um, Flynn. Flynn that liked yeah, it. Yeah, Flynn really. But as call says... It's the tuna fish sandwich. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's still, it's still the, the single best analogy I've, I've ever heard for Forspoken. Yeah. You know, it's, the, it's a tuna fish sandwich RPG. You enjoy it while you're eating it. You don't remember you had it for lunch the next day. I mean, that's exactly, <laughs> exactly the way. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. Yeah. Hey, I mean, we do have to start like it's, you know, a requirement, right, of the show. Something, sure. Something like that. We do have to start with some Final Fantasy XIV news. Then we'll slide on over and do some uh, Limit Break FFTCG, maybe talk a little bit about the competitive season, all that kind of stuff. And then we'll wrap it up nicely with some Foam Stars, some Seven Rebirth, and, of course, a little chat about single-player games, even though it's not a Square Enix game that triggered this discussion. But it very well could have been. 
Like it, you could absolutely see this discussion there. Six point five seven now live on the fourteen servers. <gasps> big patch, oh, big yeah. patch, huge mega patch, mega mega patch. Uh, yeah, I mean, you get you mentioned it last week's show, and I was like, who cares? Like, we're not going to talk about it. No, we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it. Uh, they have. There was one thing that I did think was interesting in the patch, more so for people that might be jumping in now ahead of the Xbox open beta or thinking about playing on Xbox. Make sure your gold or your Xbox Live, uh, Xbox Live, your Xbox Game Pass uh, membership is uh, up to date for that one, by the way. Uh, they added a bunch of Aetherite ticket rewards. Yeah. <laughs> Mainly focused uh, all around Vesper Bay, right? Yeah. That that place is still annoying to get to. Like it's yes. still it's very annoying to get to. So a nice little help out if you're still going through some older content, main scenario quest, Scions of the Seventh Dawn, Back from the Wood, and the Black Wolf's Ultimatum have had their uh, Vesper Bay Aetherite tickets pumped uh, up, you know, double and triple, in some cases more, sure. what they were. Yeah, so. Uh, I really would rather that they just fix that one with an aetherite crystal. Like, just I know, right? <laughs> just don't they have a crystal there? Go ahead and move something and be okay. Uh, other than that, like uh, what I, the big one was? What Savage? Uh, Savage finally unlocked. Yeah, seven weeks after release, they increased the tombstone amount to nine. They did. Yeah, they, they increased removed the cap. The weekly cap. So I mean the. You still have a cap, but you can get through stuff a little bit faster if you want to grind out some stuff. But yeah, uh, Thalia is in the roulette. Um, Fields of Glory PvP change. Okay, great. People not, taking not a to, whole lot here. Yeah, people taking to Twitter <laughs> a little frustrated how long it took <laughs> to go ahead yeah. and and get uh, Pandemonium and Abessius. Uh Two hundred and fifty eight days. For the Savage Long release. Time. That's according to uh, Exu Ploision on Twitter, who said, hey, it's finally unlocked. Tome cap doubled. Only took 258 days, thir week 37, since the Savage release. That was a really slow unlock on top of a patch that did not have, you know, the, the typical repeatable relic overworld stuff, the Eureka, mm -hmm. the Bosja, you know, that, that type of stuff. I mean, it's just like you, they already, we talked about it before the extension of the patches by two weeks. You're feeling it now, but they mm -hmm. compounded it, Travis, with like the dot ones through the dot five sevens here, where it was just like two extra weeks between each major patch and yeah. then also less content uh, in them. It's just, it's, it's not a great time to be an everyday Final Fantasy player unless. You're one of the ones that Yoshi P says, hey, you know, take a break, play some other stuff, come on back with the expansion. Then right. it's probably a great time for you. But for us, yeah. like, everydayers, not really great. I had two friends I was running the weekly Thornton with, and they, they were just like, eh, there's just nothing really to do. So, yeah, they, they bowed out for now. They'll probably come back right before the expansion launches. But not, uh, yeah, unless I just want to farm a bunch of old mounts from old EX trials, I just I don't really feel incentivized to do much. Do you uh, do you unsub your yourself uh, at times like this? Like, do you save yourself fifteen bucks a month? And yeah, I usually for a do. While? 
Well, and like I tend to sub six months at a time because you get the discount, which right. is nice. Uh, but yeah, like right now, I, I mainly sub to play with them and they stop. So I'm kind of like, I'm just going to run it out, do the Thord and Fox Hollows because I'm trying to get those mounts. But other than that, there's just, I don't feel like there's not much to do. So yeah, I'll save my money and I'll just, it's just so easy to resub. There's no point to just give them money if you're not actively playing it. Fair. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'll tell you what is probably the, I don't know, Tark, if you feel the same way. And I know you kind of do other grindy, catchy uppy. I never got a chance to do this. Yeah, I'll go do up. it stuff yeah. where where I just exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> where I just don't like. I, I'm not. You know, if I didn't do it by now, it means I just don't feel like doing it. Uh, and I'll game the way I want to. Thank you very much. But I can't help but feel like I'm held hostage by owning a house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Like. I don't want to feel that way, but there are oh, times when I'm like, yeah, I should probably just unsub for a couple of months. And I think over the entire life of Reborn, I've maybe been unsubbed for a total of four or five months, right? Total. Mm-hmm. And that and that was back when I was buying a house in real life. You know, so it was like all bets are off. I don't want anything on my bank account that doesn't need to be here because you right. know the mortgage companies sit there and stare at your bank bank balances and incoming and outgoing transactions for like two months ahead of mortgage approval, and and so like I unsubbed. It kind of asked me out of FanFest tickets for the very first FanFest, but what are you going to do? Just stupid timing. But you know, I I feel like I would unsub. But I would just have to resub before my 45 days hit. Yeah. In which case, I'm unsubbing for a month, then subbing for a month, then unsubbing for a month. And that feels dumber than just being subbed <laughs> the entire time yeah. to me. Fair. Ironically, you were also held hostage by a house then when that little time you were unsubbed. That's true. That's true. A real life house held me hostage, and my. Fake house held me hostage. Yeah. Well, I've wanted to switch. It was like my free company essentially doesn't exist anymore. Just all those people Aww. don't play the game. Yeah, it, it's sad. So I have wanted to switch to some of the more active ones, but I still have a room that I built in my house. It's like, well, I don't want to lose that room. I put all that work into it. So similar to you, sometimes I do feel, quote unquote, held hostage by it. Oh, I wish it was just instance housing at this point. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm still looking for a house, dude. It's it's. I'm still waiting for uh, another unlock of another ward and maybe get another chance. But yeah, anytime there's even like a sniff of a house coming up, there's like 40 people wanting to bid yep. on that large house. It's <laughs> stupid. But I I have plenty to do. I've been doing Eureka. Um, I'm looking for Criterion Ultimate groupage. Uh, Want to get Blue Mage done, uh, especially with Beastmaster coming out. Um yeah, so I'm I'm fine. Yeah, it's too, a and fantastic time for brand stuff. new players or newer players that want to come back, or yeah. completionists, right? Like people that are like, "Hey, man, I don't have to be grinding Bosja right now," because they just said, "Hey, get some tombstones, and we'll just drop a relic on your face," uh, and and they went ahead and did that. Okay, cool. Now I can go farm those X mounts or those minions or the the things that I didn't do, those odds and ends or the classes I don't get a chance to play all the time because my guild's always progging this and this and this and this, and we're just not doing that right now. It's a great time for those. I wonder how much of the audience that is, though, because we did see in their financials, Tark, the MMO space, uh, Creative Business Unit 3, that, uh, that took a hit. 
that has taken a hit. Two consecutive financial reports that it has taken a hit. And Yoshi P has said multiple times, including it's mentioned in a a piece that uh, MMORPG.com did this week by Victoria Rose, talking about the post-expansion drought hit a little too hard this time around. That you know, Yoshi P and team have acknowledged. Yeah, we gotta we gotta do a couple of things to to really pick this back up. I agree with them. They just didn't have enough content. That lack of exploration zone that was in Stormblood and and Shadowbringers, I've really felt it. Um, not just in the relic, um, because Tombstone dumping is just stupid. Uh, yeah, I've really felt the lack of that content. Uh, it really gave another zone. You know, while it's instance, it still feels open worldy. Um, so I'm glad that's coming back with Dawn Trail. Uh, I hope an actual relic grind is part of that. Um, but I, what I want to see is something new added to the game, and hopefully that comes with Dawn Trail, so I can be really excited for something new. Yeah, and by the way, like like I said on our previous episode, right? The, there is plenty to do. <laughs> like I am do. not one of those people sitting here bemoaning that there is nothing to do in this. There's plenty of shit to do. I just don't want to do it. I'm, like I'm considering making another character, actually. So you know, I mean, there are people complaining about a grind being missing that they complained was a grind at the time. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's a you yeah, know, can't please everyone, Mike. Right. You can't it's, please everyone. It's MMO fandom at its best, right? Oh, there's nothing to do. Well, go level this. I don't want to level that. Okay, <laughs> well, go do this. I don't want to do that. Well, Travis, then go the, do this. Uh, I don't I don't I don't want to do that. Well, I, was gonna say, I wonder if they intended Island Sanctuary to be that zone, or I, I don't know, maybe not. Uh, uh yeah, that's another thing. Like that is new content uh, that I just found it boring though (laughs) yeah that I don't think sated or it was like I've likened it to like the criterion dungeons right almost Mm -hmm. there to being something very neat but not quite yeah not quite you know and and the criterion stuff in the savage versions had its has its own problems with the rewards which got a little better with the most recent one but still you know you really just go do the regular one 12 times and call it a day Right, yeah. <laughs> it is not a ton of incentive to do the savage and and things like that. But uh, people are dumb. They expect an MMO to introduce totally new, never seen play types in every patch. I don't think it's that to Cal. Like I don't think anybody on this show or watching this show is is under that. Uh, I think more with Final Fantasy fourteen. It's looking at what we got per patch for so long, and then when you map it out. It's just been getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller through the expansions. And I think that's the feeling that we're really getting compounded now where Mm -hmm. things have gotten smaller and the time in between them is increased. And so it really just puts a pinch on, you know, I usually finished all the stuff in the current patch with two weeks to spare. So I did a couple of things in those two weeks and boom, it was new patch time. Okay, well, now that's a month. That's a full sub-cycle uh, with those two weeks and the two extra weeks. So it is a little bit... I, I think it's a, a long-time compounding issue, if that makes sense. Does yeah. that make sense? It does. Does it make any sense? sense? 
Dude, when I logged into Stormblood for the very first time and I saw all those abilities crossed out on my hotbar, you know, it was like, <laughs> hey, this is a new expansion and they took some stuff away. And you're right, maybe most people didn't, it didn't bother them at the time because it seemed small, but they've slowly, every, you know, patches have given you less than they used to get. You used to get more dungeons, you used to get more of these things. So, yeah, maybe it's finally hit that kind of like culmination point of like, wow, we, we don't get much these days. Yeah, and, when, and like I said, when Yoshi P has to acknowledge it, in multiple interviews mm-hmm. throughout the FanFest cycle, then it's not just, you know, like the vocal minority being super vocal. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's right there in their numbers. We don't get to see the full number package, but we can see when the HD games division and the MMOs division are losing money quarter over quarter, that's not good. And that speaks to, to something. Now they would have, of course, more inside metrics as to what it speaks to, but I don't think the content uh, gapping helps here. It's still my single favorite MMO. I'm not unsubbing. I'm not unsubbing. Maybe I'll fucking go do fake grinding for bicolor gems and polish off a couple of those stupid <laughs> minions. There you go. There you go. You got some minions to go after. I really don't. I really don't want to do it. Yeah. I have three zones left to finish. <laughs> oh, I think I have like nine. I, I was, I've, I've done a bunch I, of them. And I'm like, got- I can't do this. Uh, when it comes to faith, I have Shadowbringer's Domes to finish. I think I do, so too. I'm, I think I'm I a little too. bit behind on that. But I'm working on it with the leveling grinding. Still working on my Omni leveling, too. So I think I only got like 150 levels to go. Yeah, I have no desire to do that. Like, yeah. I am one of those MMO players that, like, even in Final Fantasy where I could play every class, I, wa- I only play the ones I want. Like, it just, <laughs> nope, nope. I mean, the reward would have to be real nice. Mm-hmm. For me to, and I just don't care. I just don't care. Yeah, Tikal says, you know, like, uh, Palace of the Dead, Heaven on High, Eureka Orthos. I haven't done any of those really. I, I need to do that too. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty there's, to do. It's just there's not a stuff lot I feel like doing. It's just not yes, stuff I feel that's like doing. A, not every piece of content is for everyone. Yeah. And, yeah, and it shouldn't be. People are like, uh, so. And it shouldn't be. It's an interesting time. It's an interesting time. See, we're gonna see how it plays out. I think the Dawn Trail is is gonna really set the tone for where the MMO goes from here. Not just like narratively and stuff like that, but the way they deliver content. Is it compelling content? Is it on a schedule that the bulk of your player base is gonna be like, yeah, this is cool. I'm gonna stay subbed. They they really do have to kind of set a bar with this expansion launch because there's not a whole lot of narrative hype going into it. We know yeah. we're going to a place to do some stuff. Okay. <laughs> you know, we don't know who the big bads are. We don't know what's going on. So there's not that just general buzz and narrative hype to go into Dawn Trail. So they're going to have to kind of wow on a certain certain level, I think. Our characters are amazed by eating a taco. Absolutely amazed. Absolutely amazed. Absolutely <laughs> I know I'm, I'm raiding in a GPU apparently, so that's that's something. Yes, yes, it's just inside a GPU. You hate heaven on high? <laughs> a lot of people do. Uh, yeah, let us know how you're feeling in Final Fantasy XIV. Still my favorite MMO, still the one I play the most, not unsubbing anytime soon. Maybe I'll get around to some of this older stuff, but are you kind of feeling like 6.1 through 6.5 was maybe a little too slow compared to uh, the past? And would you like to see it revert back to like the five dot, four dot, three dot uh, cycles? Let us know. Put it in the comments below. Still need to give it a shot. The new one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. 
Get that Necromancer title. Somebody on MMO Bob's <laughs> podcast just got it uh, last week. Uh, all right, let's talk about Final Fantasy, a trading card game. Very near and dear to my heart, and Travis, yours as well. And Tark, mm -hmm. you dabble. Uh, not really a scene in your area, so you try and do a little yeah, bit online here and there. Before we get into what was like the big news, right? A totally new mechanic being added to the game. We'll talk about that in a second. I do think we should touch on the 2024 competitive season. It's fully announced, Travis. We've got eight Crystal Cops. We've got a last chance qualifier ahead of Nats in El Segundo, California, when the time comes. And we've got approximately 60 local qualifier events that are going to pop up around North America starting probably late March into April. The first Crystal Cup itself is in April as well. Left your wallet in El Segundo. Uh, we've got basically locations for our Materia Cups. We've got dates for our Materia Cups. Some of them have already had tickets go up for sale, some of them still pending. I'm sure that's a topic we'll circle back around to in a second. <laughs> but as far as setting the stage for the 2024 competitive season and looking back at maybe some opportunities in setting the stage for the competitive season last year uh, in 2023, how do you think the rollout's going so far, Travis? Uh, good. It's pretty similar to last year. Um, I, I won't lie and say that. Uh, I do wish I just wish everything was announced at once. I'm that kind of person like don't drip feed it to me to say, hey, hey, here's every place who has it. Here's all the local qualifiers. Here's all the prizing. And then we just know and then you can plan your year and your schedule around that. Um, but otherwise, it's still pretty similar to last year, and it's nice that there's more places. Uh, you know, I'm glad to see that they did increase. I was worried that, oh man, are they just going to do like the same six locations they did last year? So glad to see an increase. Uh, I, I would really like to know pricing, especially because I just, you know, you, you should know that, right? If you're buying a ticket to something, you should know what you're getting out of it. Yeah, um, some of the key locations, I think, particularly on the Materia Cup side of things, those are the bigger Square Enix, like, sponsored, hosted slash events in conjunction with the, the local game store. Uh, mm. Chicago getting one is key. Yeah. Having one in the Midwest is key. Uh, that was something missing from last year. And then having one in Canada uh, is, is key, oh, too. Yeah. yeah, there's an Ottawa one this year. Uh, so I think it's Ottawa. If it's not yeah, Ottawa, I, I apologize, but I'm pretty Ottawa. sure it's Ottawa. Yeah, Ottawa. Uh, so, uh, yeah, spreading the love a little bit. A lot of the same uh, stores from last year, right? We're going to see Game Theory in uh, North Carolina, Raleigh. We're going to see Haven Games in Florida. Like, there's there are a bunch of... we're gonna, Collector's Cash in Kansas kicks off the season. Uh, mm -hmm. Somebody in Japan asking, are those tournaments steamed? I'm assuming you mean streamed. Uh, <laughs> yes. Most of the Materia Cups are streamed. They try to always stream those. And then even some local qualifiers are streamed, too. Like, if we happen to get one in my area at one of the couple local stores that I play at, I will bow out of the tournament itself and put on a stream and a show and, and all that good stuff. I will actually be commentating the uh, Kansas Materia Cup from Collector's Cash with uh, Gabe Cavalieri. Uh, that is in April. Now, you can find full details on all this on FFTCG's master website. Just Google FFTCG, and you'll find it right there. Like everything else, Square Enix, it's a URL for, to hell and back uh, <laughs> to, to, to get there. Just Google FFTCG. You'll be fine. 
and you'll find all of it. So really looking forward to it. Lots of chances to qualify for Nats and then hopefully make your way to Worlds. Now, we do have to say, three Materia Cups, Tark, have had their tickets go on, ta- on sale already. Oh, yeah? All three were sold out in minutes. Some in less than that. Wow. Chicago put up 100 tickets and sold out in 53 seconds. Now, there were okay. a couple extra tickets that popped back up there because people didn't like finish their cart. But for all intents and purposes, they sold out. Now, Chicago will be putting up another approximately 150 tickets tomorrow, Friday, or Monday. Not officially announced yet on which date. They're still finalizing some things. That local store has this. Bill is too good for this world. Bill, we love you. Uh, Bill is um, booking a different venue. It's not going to be hosted at the store now. When those sold like that, they're now aiming to make this 200, 200 plus competitors. Square Enix prizing is still only going to prize for 100. So, you know, what, what the store does with that prizing, who knows? It is up to the store. Don't expect other Materia Cup locations to do this. There is an awful lot of logistics and money and stuff being put on the store to to do something like this. So not all are going to do this. What do you think, Travis, of them selling out as fast as they've had? I've seen, I've seen the argument that hey, selling out is a great thing. And, and while I don't necessarily disagree, I kind of feel like the way these have sold out, at least for me personally, is not a net good for the game. I'm interested to see where you land before I give my take. Yeah, so I have the two events I'm going to because I live in the Midwest. I live in St. Louis uh, is Kansas City and Chicago. So I was lucky that I was able to get a ticket for both. However, I know one of my buddies, he was legit. Oh, okay, I'm going to log on for the Chicago one. And then it was already gone by the time he got there. And yeah, it just always sucks when people can't get the tickets they want. And I know they're trying to rectify that. And I just don't know if there's like a better way to do it because you do want to announce it ahead of time, right? Because it right. feels really bad if, oh, surprise, they just went on sale. So the hundred people who happened to be on at the time or available could get it. But at the same time, like, I don't know. Do we just need to? I think someone had mentioned in one of the discords we were in about upgrading them to like regionals and not holding them at local game shops. So that way you could get more people in. Um, Usually, Which is essentially the, the, what Chicago's doing. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and earlier in the schedule are always the more hotly contested ones. As the season goes on and people start to get their invites, people aren't as uh, frenetic about getting them because, again, not as many people, quote-unquote, need to go. So, yeah, I, I want more people to be able to go, and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm no market expert, so I don't know what the best way to handle that is, but it's very disappointing when... Yeah, I, I didn't take it as a sign, a, a good thing, like, wow, look how popular the game is. It's like, yeah, but it's the same people right. trying to go to all these. Yeah. Like, it's not like there's a thousand new people for each one, so... Tark, you may not play Final Fantasy TCG competitively or anything like that, but you've played other things competitively in this sure. in this vein. I, I just feel there's a difference between selling out and selling out in less than a minute, and that that maybe isn't a good thing. But maybe I'm off base. What do you think? Well, it's been so long. Um, I've never experienced where you need to buy tickets to go to an event like that. It's just that's another thing. Yeah, bad. yeah, yeah. I I. I been to events where you know you show up and you got your deck and you play 
And if you win, then you get in. You know, it's just one or two spots uh, at your at your local. So um, it's a little weird that you have to pay to get in, pay to play, pay to win. I don't know. Well, um, it's not so the paying. It's, it's, little, the, it's, it's the, the booking fucking. ahead of time, I think, is your point. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, obviously, yeah. most tournaments have some type of buy-in. That's that's not the issue. It's the okay. having a ticket ahead of time. Yeah. I don't know. You okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm just choking on my own spit. I'll be fine. Um, <laughs> it's Apparently, my body's just like, no, we're not going to swallow. We're fine. We're just going to die. Uh, we'll, we'll be all right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, Mike's I, ticket's available now. <laughs> I mean, I have tickets to California. I have yeah. no intention of going. Mm-hmm. I might. But that's the thing, Travis. I bought them on a what-if... A month yeah. from now, I decide I want to go, and I'm holding two tickets that somebody yeah. else didn't get. And now I'm the type of person that I will literally make sure that the tickets get used. So yeah. it, I'm not robbing somebody's space. I'm either going or I'm not. And if I'm not, I'll make sure the tickets are used. But that's not the case in every situation. And when they are this limited, you do have people buying tickets. I mean, there's not really a scalping market here. You're not going to get much of a right. markup trying to sell them. But you do have buy- people buying tickets for events that, eh, I'm 50-50 on that one, but I better get my ticket now. And that's not that's not good. Exactly. For Tark new- hit the nail on the head. Oh, sorry. No, you're fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, Tark hit the nail on the head with that, that, yeah, a lot of other games, you can just walk in. Oh, okay, I'll play this today. And I had a couple of friends of mine's who bought tickets to one of these three's event, and he's like, I don't even know if I'm going to go, but in case I decide to go, I'm just going to buy it now. And as much as it was a good thing, too, I wonder if Bill kind of, quote-unquote, shot himself in the foot by announcing, hey, I'll give you a refund, you know, if you just... So it's, okay, cool, there's kind of no penalty, just let me get it, and if I don't want to go... Well, I think Bill was smart in in this regard, though, because it was the tickets are not transferable. That's why he opened up the refund, which was because there were... You know, people like me with California, right? Okay, I'm going to go buy two tickets, and then I'll just give them to Travis if I don't end up going and Travis wants to go. And Bill's saying, no, 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 no. We don't want to get involved in that, but we'll open up refunds instead so that you're Mm -hmm. not just asked out. And then we have 60 people here because 100 tickets sold and 40 of them were maybes. Uh, It is a weird position, right? And a lot of it has to do with Square Enix and Hobby Japan and the prizing situation. Yeah. And this is not an indictment on the community team, by the way. I think the community team behind FFTCG in North America, Lily, Sarah, all of you, I can't sit here and name all of you, I think you're doing a bang-up job kicking this season off so far. Keep it up. I feel like there's been a lot of critique that was passed uh, through last year that has been taken mm-hmm. to heart by that community team and molded uh, to the competitive season this year. I think those are net goods, and I look forward to seeing more and more and more of that. Communication yeah. seems to be a little bit better. Whether that'll continue to be the case, we'll, we'll watch. Uh, I'm liking where things are headed from that team. But they're not the budget, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, The North American lead uh, is not the one saying, all right, square. I need a check for this amount because this is what we're... No, that's just not the way it works. This isn't Bandai Namco with One Piece and and Pokemon and, and Digimon and, you know, all these other games that are just, you know, having these huge, massive tournaments. This is still and may forever be 
part of the miscellaneous PL line for Square Enix. Yeah. You know, it's just merch as far as the yeah. company is concerned. And like that or not, you know, I don't. I like I, <laughs> I, I want Square to take <laughs> it a little more seriously. They're just not going to if the sales aren't very serious numbers. I would argue that you're in a catch-22 at that point. You'll never have the serious numbers that you're looking for to take it seriously yes. if you don't take it seriously to try and get yeah. those numbers to take it seriously. How to spend money to make the money. Yep. Right. So it's an unfortunate situation. Like They could open up a regional and say, yeah, we're going to hold it at this hall, this fire hall, and it's in Pittsburgh, and it holds a 1,000 people. Get there or don't. We don't care. Mm -hmm. Right? And the doors are open. Give us 20 bucks on your way in. Um, but that's not going to change the prizing situation. Uh, and that's, that's a square thing directly on square as a corporation, not on, on the square as a community team, whether it's for North America, Europe, Australia, Japan, wherever. Yeah. It's just, it's just not going to change. The stores can make it bigger like bill is, but Square's only sending prizing for a hundred people. Yeah, well, and that too, like, I, I want more people to be able to participate, but, you know, I, I don't want to, what, so I have to win that much more in Chicago, and I still am only going to get a certain prizing? Like, well, that kind of sucks. Like, yeah, everyone should be able to get something for coming in. See, I'm more Tark of the persuasion of, give the prizing to the top 100. If you go X2, keep your ass in the tournament. Don't freaking drop. <laughs> but that's that, that may be a, an unpopular opinion, I know. I just think this game needs a digital version and Square just needs to see how it does digitally. And if people are really loving it, they're like, hey, by the way, you play this physical game, we got tournaments and stuff, and really go in on it if it's progressing well digitally. I mean, you can make it free to play, mm -hmm. although then, you know, a year later, they'll probably close down because that's how they do with mobile games. Yeah, uh, and free to play. Uh, Baron, we don't know the pricing yet for 2024. Typically in years past, it's been various promotional cards or alternate art cards of things that already exist. And then mm -hmm. at a certain tier, uh, play mats, and then a certain tier, trophies and uh, invites to Nats and, and things like that. There have been additional other ancillary prizing as well. I am of, and there's Jeremy in chat, uh, agrees with me. I, I'm I'm okay with, hey, hold a 500-person tournament and th there's prizing for the top 100 because I never viewed the prizing as like a guaranteed entry thing anyway. They always yeah. referred to it as sure. prizing. They didn't refer to it as here's an entry play, Matt, or here's an entry promo. It was always yeah. labeled as prizing. I understand, Travis, though, your point where it's like, hey, I paid $45. I got a flight. I got a hotel. Give me a fucking promo card to go home with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And obviously, the, the the further you get in the tournament, you should be rewarded more and more and more, which is what I know they'll do. But yeah, I, I don't think, yeah, get, give me something for, for making the trek out there. I'm excited about the season. I can't wait to commentate Kansas. I can't wait to go to a few Materia Cups. I don't think I'm going to go to as many things this year as I did last year, even though there's going to be more uh, going on this yeah. year. Uh, just, you know, I got other things going on. But I'm very, very excited. So let's talk about something brand new coming to the game just in time for a competitive season. Because that's always great, right? Competitive season's about to kick off. Here's something new. Nobody knows how it works. <laughs> yeah. No strategies, you know, lay down. Figure it out. Let's go. 
We are getting a limit break mechanic. Now we know we've been we've known we've been getting this, and I think Travis, when you and Dylan and I did a set review, we kind of were like, we're still waiting to see what that's gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we've known about it for a while, but it was just in the last week revealed what the actual mechanic is. So in Final Fantasy TCG, I'm gonna give you a very top-level version of this for those of you that aren't like diehards like us. Uh, you have a 50-card deck, no more, no less. Three is a playset in this game. Okay, there you go. That's your standard competitive deck. Standard is the primary format in competition right now. Now we're going to have a limit break deck. Is it a sideboard? Nope, 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 nope. It's not a sideboard. As much as I would want a sideboard, it is not. It is a totally separate deck made up of up to eight cards that specifically say Limit Break or LB on them. In fact, I will show you a LB card right here. This is a cloud, just as one of the samples we've given. We've gotten about six or five or six of them now, counting yesterday's yeah, Japanese Ace, stream. Zach, Cloud. Right. Uh, so this is Limit Break. It is a forward. It could be a backup, could be a summon, could be a monster. We don't know. All the ones we've seen so far are forwards. Uh, but you can see in the upper right-hand corner the LB and the kind of flurs uh, going around the borders. It is very pretty, uh, nice to look at. Now, you can create a side deck, uh, or a Limit Break deck of up to eight cards. At the current moment, there is no reason not to. Yeah. There's just zero reason not to. You'd be at a disadvantage if you don't. Now, if there are other ways to interact with your opponent's limit break deck in the future, there could be some opportunity for, I'm going to run this deck with no limit break deck. You know, there, there might be reasons you want to do that. But for right now, what we know about the limit break cards, your opponent can't interact with this at all. There is zero reason for you not to be building a full eight deck or eight card complement of limit break cards. You can only have up to three of each card in there, just like your standard deck. And these play exactly like you were playing them from the hand. So Cloud here costs four crystal points, four CP, one of which has to be lightning. Dull your backups, ditch lightning cards, whatever you got to do to pay that CP. You can cast this cloud from your limit break deck anytime it would be legal to play cloud if he were in your hand. So same timing, same payment, everything. Except that limit break dash two text. At any time it's legal to cast this card, you can just pick up your limit break deck and say, uh, Travis, I'm going to cast this cloud. Set it down, uh, turn it face up so that Travis can see it, make your payment, and then the way you satisfy the limit break two on this card is by turning two other limit break cards in your limit break deck face up. Thus, one, revealing them to your opponent, and two, canceling out your ability to cast those two cards for the rest of the game, as face up limit break cards cannot be played again whether there's a mechanic later that flips these the other way who knows but for right now there is not that's the core mechanic in a nutshell i would first like to say travis this is a horrible name thematically 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> but I think they, I think the, the ship sailed a long time ago. Honestly, I feel like damage should have been called limit break. Yeah. You know, damage three, do this extra effect. Damage five, do this extra effect or make it cheaper. Like that, thematically, that in my head goes with limit break. But that was already taken. They didn't name it limit break. They just named it damage. There really is no thematic, like, powering up or taking damage here and getting these things. But narrative thematics aside, the mechanic itself is kind of divisive right now, which I find funny since we don't know all the Limit Break cards in this set. What's your initial gut reaction when you saw the reveal? Yeah, I, I, I'm concerned. I won't lie. Uh, I've tried to not jump into the like pure terror deep end. but it, So y- what you said right away, I am a huge fan of not only balance, but risk versus reward. Yeah. Hey, here's the benefit of playing this card. Here's the downside of it. And one of the uh, downsides, quote unquote, in a card game was you had this limited 50 card deck. And so including a card that maybe is only good in a certain situation, well, you're, you're assuming you're only going to see that at the right time. And that's one of my biggest concerns with these is because you have access to them at all times, like this cloud... It, it just says, can you really play Iridia or the Twins or something that just says, hey, they can immediately turn one, bloop, bop it if they have right. to. You know, and th- that's part of the excitement of the games is that, oh, I just got to draw this card to get out of it. Oh, my God, I drew it. Hooray. But you're not going to have that feeling of like, oh, OK, yeah, I have that card here at all times. So I'll just play it against you. And it, it does worry me a little, too, if you can't opt out of the mechanic. So if there's never a downside to a limit break deck. So from now on, you have to play FF with a limit break deck because otherwise you're always at the disadvantage for it. So that yeah. kind of concerns me. Um, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's exciting and fun, but it also, it kind of so far just reads as like cheaper and free, which is something I've been complaining yeah, about I've seen for it, a while. I've seen it likened to um, Magic the Gathering's companion system too, which yes. if you played with the companion system, you know was broke for a while and had to be like really reined back in. Uh, so I've seen some concern in the FFTCG community comparing it to that, too. Yeah, so I, I hope it ends up being cool, but I, I won't lie. I'm definitely concerned, and I'm, uh, yeah, I definitely have my, my fears with it. What are you thinking there, Tark? What's this look like to you? Uh, I, I think it just gives you some stability. You know, it, with card games like this, there's a lot of RNG. You know, do you get a good hand? Do you get nothing but freaking backups? You know, I don't know. Do you get nothing but forwards and you can't play anything? And it's just, this might give you some stability and you, you know you have aces in your in your pocket um, and you have them for different situations. So I kind of like the idea. Um, again, I haven't really played much and I would love a digital version of that game. Let's, let's go. Let's get on that. Yeah, I kind of, I, I find myself like uh, sitting on the fence, right? Like, I don't hate this, but I'm not excited by it yet either. Uh, I'm just kind of like, let me see all the cards first. Let me see all the cards in this set first. Uh, I like it. Let me let me give you some pros and cons from my list, and you can tell me, you know, where I'm just totally off base. Right? I'm not a world's level player, so I might totally be off base. I feel like it could be good to shore up weaknesses in your deck. And I like that, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, I've got a particular deck, and it's totally butts against a full-blown aggro deck. 
let me tech into my limit break a few cards that really help me stave off early aggression to give my actual deck a chance to do what it actually wants to do. That's a potential, and I like that. I like that kind of, you know, strategy. Um, flip side, I don't like that when your deck has done exactly what it's supposed to do to put your opponent on the ropes, they still have answers. <laughs> and I know, uh, Travis, one of the examples you used in a video that you did on Travis's uh, Rudro's Entertainment YouTube channel, go sub, uh, to that, I'm sure he'll plug it at the end and throw a link in chat for you. I know one of the examples you gave was discard decks, right? Yeah. When you force a discard deck down to two backups and no card in hand, they are at the mercy of the two cards on top of their deck and cannot exceed something that costs four CP, right? You did everything you were supposed to do. You, afford, you were a discard deck. You forced your opponent down to two backups and no cards in hand, giving mm -hmm. them the option to maybe draw into one playable card. Maybe. But that's not the case anymore. You did everything you were supposed to do as a discard deck, and they still got eight potential outs. And by the way, drawing two gives them a total of six CP to do it. That's a little weird to me. Then I have yeah. other concerns, too. We've only seen four words, and I, I just have a feeling that this particular set's only going to be four words. Yeah, I would be surprised if we saw a different type. Summons could make this very scary because those can be played at any time. Mm -hmm. All it's going to take is an LB Amat that doesn't break a forward. Just an LB summon that cancels an auto ability and Shantoto's like fucking running scared for a while. Um, but anything that searches or is a backup automatically wildly changes the curve of the game. Yeah, wildly absolutely. changes the curve of the game because your ability to get an extra backup out earlier or get a search off off of a card that you didn't have to get out of your hand to play on the field, right? Every single one of these cards is basically a net 2CP gain because you're not losing a card from hand by playing the cloud to the field. Yeah. So I, there's just there's going to have to be some balance stuff. Yeah, back attack is one that kind of makes me scary. Uh, kind of makes me a little nervous. It, it, anything that actually does something really good is really scary in this mechanic. And I think that's why, until now, we've seen some just, like, moderate forwards. Mont Blanc revealed last night in the stream might be a little bit of an exception <laughs> in certain decks. I think that limit break card might be a little nutty, but it's also <laughs> very, very expensive, so maybe that'll balance it out. Uh, we'll see. I, I just, I like adding things new. I'm not sure if this is going to be it for me. And what I'm really worried about in the thing is that there's going to be two that are playable that like every deck just runs those. Yeah. Then what the hell was the point of the mechanic, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Am I, am I just, am I nuts, Travis or... No, not at all. It's it's a brand new mechanic that is going to shift how you play. Again, you can't opt out of it. You have to play it. Something Tarek said that is interesting. So what if, you know, he talked about consistency being a good thing. Those games where if your game plan is to set up five backups and then play and you don't even see backups, that's not enjoyable. That's frustrating. So what if every single color gets a two cost backup that's like the crystal cards? They don't even have text. 
but it's it just, just does nothing. Guaranteed, it's just can an evoker. Start the game. I mean, in in one way, again, that would change how you play because it's guaranteed. But in, in, I'm trying to be like positive for it here too. Would that be terrible? That hey, at least you've always got this thing you can rely on instead of well, I didn't see anything, you know, a dead game for me. So maybe there could be something there. But again, does that then does that take away the the beneficial part of variance of a card game is that again those exciting moments when I need to see this or oh sweet I what a what a great curve I opened the Sarah into the Edgar into those also feel really good what a perfect hand I opened will you lose some of that if it's like well it doesn't matter what I open because I just pull this from the limit break zone yeah and we're also seeing um, legends right and yeah. so these are taking legend slots in in the set True. uh like montblanc fire legend uh ace even though he was i don't know if it still is but he was erroneously classified in the headline on square enix's site as a rare he's a legend yeah. uh titus titus yeah that was right that's right we saw three and so presumably right for equitable balance where we're gonna see one more legend in each of the three remaining colors across yeah. the board just for distribution sake, which means that unless they're changing card counts, which we don't think they are, we don't have any reason to believe they are, two legends per color per set means that outside of Limit Break, every element's only getting one legend this set. Yeah. So these counts do change the standard card pool distribution and availability in sets going forward too every time something gets that Limit Break stamp put on it. Because you yeah. cannot play these in your standard deck in any way, shape, or form. You can't just chuck them in there and and do that. So it does mess with the distribution a little bit too. Yeah. Hmm. I did like the idea that was spoiled today, though. That's not I limit break. Has one. nothing to do with limit break. It was card of the week. It was a hero, lightning hero. Kind of digging it. It's all about that lightning. Kind. It's all about mm-hmm. a dia. What are you talking about? Adia and Lulu. That's lightning. It. I'm saying lightning. No, I know. Oh, the character. I don't know. Or the no, not the character. The, no, element. the element. For him, it's yeah, the he's, element. Yeah, for yeah. me, I'm a lightning baby. Everybody that watches anything I do at FFTCG already knows that. It was actually funny when that was spoiled because she's using her icicle limit break on yeah, the card. On the card. So I, I saw that and I was like, <laughs> oh, it's an ice card. Oh, wait, no, it's actually a lightning card. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna we'll see. Like, uh, we we've got uh, just a, a little bit of time before we get our hands on these cards, and then it's gonna be time to compete with them. So, yeah. <laughs> like, good luck, world. Here we come. But, and you'll have to tell me how that goes for you, Michael, since you'll be commentating the first event. Like, you know, play mats can get kind of cluttered as is. Like, yeah. are are people even gonna have these on their play mats? Are you gonna be able to see it as the commentator? Just oh, I guess he played Cloud from the limit break because I didn't see anything. Like, yeah. That part worries me a little bit too, the fiddliness of having now an extra eight cards that people can be messing with. And I kind of mentioned that on my video too about time. But yeah, I mean it def- definitely impacts time, right? I saw I saw somebody and I somebody was talking and said, you know, oh, this speeds up the game because it's more, you know, maybe removal or this or that or this and another attacker. And I said, I don't I don't agree with it speeding up the game. I think it actually slows down the game a little more because now there's this extra eight-card thing that Tark's going to pick up and look through and kind of think about, should I play one mm-hmm. of these or should I just stick to my hand? Should I do this, then this, then this? Yeah. So, yeah, you'll put it sideways above the main deck. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I am really interested in this because I'm one of those assholes that if you try and strong-arm me and put, my, put your, like, forward overlapping 
the mats and you I'll mm-hmm. push your forward back. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you get off of my mat. <laughs> don't you try and alpha me like that. I'll just I, I don't say anything either. I just push it back onto their mat. Get on your side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I a, bought this mat. Line. I bought this mat. Don't put your damn cards on it. So we'll see. Man, we talked about that for a while. How how about some real quick stuff then? Like because we're we're, okay. we're we're running up against it. Foam Ooh. stars. Yes. Oof. You've played it some more, Tark? Uh, just a, a little bit. It's, it's just, I want to play it with friends, but uh, no one seems to want to hype jump on the train. And then, yeah, I was looking at prices. I was looking at prices at all that glam. There's yeah. some good stuff there that, you know, but like, I don't got 40 bucks to spend on the skin. Yeah, <laughs> the, the internet talking about you can purchase uh, the Yakuza series. For cheaper than some of the bundles right yeah. now, since the Yakuza is on uh, sale for $44 and some change. Uh, yeah, in a game that isn't going to be free. It's only free right now to PlayStation yeah. Plus users. This will have a $30 price tag at that. And by the way, it's not going so well for it uh, on PlayStation Plus, as February's PS Plus games have seen the lowest PlayStation 5 player turnout in 14 months. Now, Ooh. Foam Stars did relatively well by itself. It's it's second most popular PS Plus game for 2024 so far. And I know it's an early month, but it's beating out Steel Rising, Roller Drome, A Plague Tale Requiem, Nobody Saves the World. It's only losing to Evil West, but that wasn't enough. There was a 60.8% player count difference between Foam Stars and the next biggest PS Plus game in February, Roller Drome. Uh, Drome. And uh, yeah, February 2024 wound up being the least popular month in the last 14. Ouch. Foam stars couldn't save it. <laughs> hey, did you see Travis being an eight fan that they posted officially the uh, opening movie for the game's 25th anniversary? I that did. was cool. I'm always down for some Liberi Fatale. What a, what a right? great opening to that game. Do you want to see it remade? Yeah. Are you one of those? Uh, no, I don't really like the seven remake. So if they would do the same Ooh. job with that, Ooh, yeah, with there's, eight, a, no, hot take. there's a hot take hot buried take. 50 minutes into the show. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you, why what's, what's going on? Uh, well to not take up too much, my, uh, too much time, the original, it's just bloated. Oh, wait, here. How about we do this? How about we do this very quickly on FF eight? If you do want to remake Tough, get bent. It's not happening anytime soon. No. <laughs> in an interview, Katase and the team said, "Yeah, that's 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 just not going to happen." You know, the remasters would, is the best you're getting. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if he was asked uh, after seven remake to do uh, another mainline one, he would just turn around and say no. Uh, but if they did do one, the team would really like to change the combat system. That doesn't surprise me one damn bit. Now, let's talk about some Final Fantasy VII Remake stuff. Travis, why you hate that shit? Uh, well, I haven't played, obviously, Rebirth because it hasn't come out yet. But with the original one, uh, I-, I always use this scene as an example. Compare when Cloud is crawling through the air vents in the Shinra building to the original game. In the original game, it takes eight seconds. In the new game, it takes over two minutes. And that's just what all that game is. It's just bloated. Everything people love about it is because it was great in the original game. And they just added in all this extra stuff that doesn't matter and that didn't happen. And I just, they, they, they took a completed game and sold you the first four hours of it for full price. And now they're going to charge you more for other parts of it. I just don't like that. Tark, you, you <sighs> seem skeptical. You, you, like, you seem like 
you, you and Travis about to have fisticuffs. It's no, I just I, I feel bad for you that all that goodness that was in there, you just couldn't latch on to anything. And I, I feel bad for you because the game is a lot of fun. I spent so much time in it and I enjoyed almost every moment of it. Maybe no, even the stairs. I even enjoyed the stairs just because hearing the 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 voiceovers and all that stuff going up the stairs um, that we had to read before, like it, it was all so good. Bloated, okay. I, I would call it fleshed out. Um, fleshed they out. Com- right. Yeah, I, you could say that Midgard was just compact. The fact that they put so much stuff into remake, and then I, I'm one that really understands that you know it's a sequel. It's you're not remaking the original game. Remake has other connotations. So to to know that it's not they're not going beat for beat with the original, I, I just found the whole experience enjoyable and I can't wait uh for the next game. Thanks. I'm glad you liked it. Uh speaking of Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth, there's some mixed messages that continue to come out about the stupid game. I the team is doing it on purpose and it's annoying the piss out of me, right? We talked about it last week about like could it be an alternate world and you know maybe there's a version where Aerith doesn't die or this happens or that happens or this happens or that happens. Well, that shit's continuing with the team talking about, "Hey, you know, maybe Rebirth could have a happier ending with a little bit of a catch, even for a certain flower girl with a heart of gold. But, yeah. I mean, they're blaming a lot on the Whispers, right? Which is new to the remake thing. Travis hates them. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I didn't like that either. We talked about that last yeah, week. Yeah, we right? talked about that. Uh, they're gonna. The penultimate boss is a massive Whisper Harbinger, apparently. And defeating it seemingly takes the story off of its predetermined path. And in theory, that could mean a happier ending. But I don't trust any of them. I don't trust any of those <laughs> sons of bitches. But here's some Final Fantasy VII Valentines for you. Tifa yeah. saying, you're a knockout. And Aerith saying, will you be my bodyguard? Yeah. I saw those some, are very cute. I saw yes. some not Square Enix made ones. And they were hysterical. Oh, boy. <laughs> Can't show them on here. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Is I mean, it they, with that, uh, those they weren't, statues that had to be taken, no, taken down in China? No, 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 no. There was no, like, nudity or anything, but, like, Barrett talking about his big <laughs> gun and s- stuff like that. And I was like, I think these are funnier. Uh, the Rebirth demo has reignited, though, that age-old debate on <sighs> yellow ledges <laughs> and making the game too easy. Tark, are you, you okay with yellow ledges? I don't mind it one bit. It's it's fine. But it tells fine. you exactly where to go. Freaking easy mode. Sure. sure. Better than the like, oh wait, what which ledge do I need to go to? Maybe it spoils going off a beaten path and finding something secret. But I'm fine with it. Is it any different than like the map? Right? I mean there's <laughs> there is a yeah, map. I mean you got a you got a mini map. <laughs> Are you complaining about that? You got a world map. Are you complaining about that? It shows you stuff. It's never really uh, bothered me, the environmental stuff. It's not stuff. bothered me. Either. Yeah. It just never really. Plus, like, I don't need it, but I'm sure that there's benefits for accessibility's sake, too. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Like eyesight issues or, or colorblindness and, you know, not being able to determine uh, a texture against a texture that is the same texture, even if there is a 3D progression there. Rock on rock. I'm like, okay, let's put yeah, some yellow. <laughs> chat saying the yellow ledges are fine. We're mostly getting older. We could use the help. 
there. Uh, and yes, the visuals will be improved. There were people complaining about the demo in performance mode, not quite performance moding and doing its thing. That that will be improved. Uh, there, it will, will let you maintain 60 frames per second um, and prioritize 4K. They are not only just going to do that in the game, but they are going to release that little update into the demo at some point as well, probably when they put in patch two. And finally, before we head over to Love It or Leave It, single-player games are dead, at least if you Sad. believe some of the team behind Immortals of Avum. This, is, this isn't Square Enix-related, but we could literally be talking about Forspoken here. Yeah. And Square Enix adjusting the way they're making games and what games they're investing in, something we spent a lot of time last week on. Uh, obviously, Kotaku proves that, hey, let's have fun with headlines. Immortals of Avon proves it's a grim time for single-player games. Let's just fucking forget, like, Baldur's Gate 3 and, like, Spider-Man 2 and, like, the two dozen mega-hits single-player games we've had in the last three months. Just forget them, because this shooter game in a new IP that had a ton of money behind it failed, and therefore it's a grim time for single-player games. While the headline is stupid, it comes from a former Ascendant Studios employee talking to IGN. And the employee said, at a high level, Immortals was massively overscoped for a studio's debut project. The development cost was around $85 million, and I Ooh. think EA kicked in $40 million for marketing and distribution. Sure, Ooh. there was some serious talent on the dev team, but trying to make a triple-A single-player shooter in today's market was was a truly awful idea, especially since it was a new IP that was also trying to leverage Unreal Engine 5. What ended up launching was a bloated, repetitive campaign that was far too long. Steam charts have this one at double digits right now, and while I think Kotaku took great liberties with their headlines to try and get you to click on that thing... <laughs> I do feel like there is a certain amount of that's probably correct from the dev talk when you're talking about a brand new IP single player shooter specifically. I think yeah. shooter is an important word in that sentence. What I mean, you like wanting my opinion on it? Yeah, it's a podcast. That's why I have you here. Uh, I. I Kotaku just sucks. Um, <laughs> I, they weren't the get, only ones that abused this headline, though. By the way, I yeah, just... I, I yeah, I get it. Um, I, I feel bad for it because it looks like it's a fun game, but yeah, you have a new IP, you gotta balance stuff uh, a little bit better on your budget um, and make sure it gains traction before you go uh, all ham on it. Um, it kind of reminds me of. Square Enix when, you know, they do these big budget titles and like Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, great game, uh, but didn't meet expectations. So um, devs just need to maybe rein it in a little bit. I, I don't know. It's, I mean, they're literally... We expect, we expect these big grandiose games uh, because we get the tech to support it and then it just costs so much yeah so. Now, unfortunately people have already been laid off right that's that yeah. was definitely coming it's got a mostly positive review score on steam but it's steam all-time peak was when it launched in august 
at 751 people. Wow. That's its Steam charts peak, Travis, 751 when it launched in August. Right now, five months later, six months later, it's already 60% off on Steam. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's 24 bucks. It, it's like Forspoken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think single-player games are not dead. That is just dumb. Not at all. But this was an absolute cluster, an absolute expensive cluster. But can you really do that these days? Here, take a look at my mediocre-looking production-wise game. I promise it plays good, though. Yeah, Takal, you're right. Like It's a catch-22, just like we were talking about earlier. You got a wow and bang in the trailers, and then if you don't deliver, you know, oh, we just spent $85 million Mm -hmm. on nothing. Although to call single player dead, Travis, that's just stupid. Oh, that's absurd. That's just th- that to me. That reminds me of all the articles you see about companies where people want to go back to work for you know work in the office, work from home is dead. It's like no, that's just a bunch of execs saying that to like try to push that narrative. <laughs> that's a like, bunch no. of execs that are still paying leases. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Same with these. It's a bunch of execs who want live service models and gotcha models and all this stuff. And like, well, people don't like it when we jam that in a single player game. Yeah, you're right. We don't. So they're just trying to create this narrative that like, oh, single player's dead. I've been man. I've been hearing that for like 20 years ever let's go do love it or leave it love it or leave it is the way we end every episode of the relic grind here it's where i give you something square enix related could be a game a feature in a game something they did something they said and i ask you whether you love it want more of it or whether you leave it never want to see it again now flynn actually put this in the show notes when he was planning on being here so flynn wants to know whether you love or leave the way Square Enix does trailers for their flagship titles now. And this is to put to give you a little perspective. If you didn't watch last week's show, what the fuck's wrong with you? Go watch it. Uh, if you didn't watch last week's show, we were talking about how in the, the Seven Rebirth trailer, there were some minor spoilers if you knew what to look for. And so he kind of wanted to know, are you okay with the way that they kind of do their Final Fantasy Kingdom Hearts trailers these days where maybe there could be spoilers or is the production value not what you liked or do they not show enough X, Y, or Z? So Tark, I'm going to turn it over to you. Love it or leave it the way Square Enix does their kind of flagship title trailers now. Uh, I'm going to leave it. When it comes to the big AAA ones, 16, 7 Rebirth, I just think they show too much. And they show too many trailers, like two, three trailers, maybe, maybe one's a teaser. Uh, you got to get that hype train, baby. Too much. I know you got to get a hype train going, but I, there's there's a line, and I think they cross it with the flagships. Like trailers, like uh, the Star Ocean remake, the perfect. They show what the combat looks like. They show what the engines like. The game's not changed from itself, but. You know, it shows me, oh man, this is going to be great because I know what I'm getting into. These AAA ones, uh, 16, 7 Rebirth, the first popped to mind. I just think they show too much. And I'm like, I I didn't even want to watch the last one for the last show. I was like, I, I just want to play the game at this point. I've already bought it. You sold me. I'm good. So I'm going to leave it. Travis. In the case of FF7 specifically, I will definitely leave it. When you have a known IP, and that's one of the most famous games of all time, like you don't really need to advertise much for it. It's it's essentially going to sell itself. Sure. 
Um, if it's something brand new we've never seen before, sure, I get it. Maybe showing it off a little more, but I agree with Tark too that like, I just make a a better trailer. That yeah, like I get it. It's a tough thing because you want to draw people in, but yeah, it's seven. People know what seven is. Like just yeah, I, I'll say leave it. I'm going to say love it. I love trailers. I don't fucking care. Show them all. <laughs> Do it all. Show me eight trailers. Give me a combat trailer. Give me a lore trailer. Give me a voice acting trailer. Give me a <laughs> painting ledges yellow trailer. I don't care. I like watching game trailers, so I'm just going to love a, it. Give you a, a, a Forspoken Twitter trailer, too. Remember that thing? Yeah, absolutely. Ooh. Just give me more trailers. Whatever. That was I, I like was bad trailers, too. Like I, watch, I love watching a trailer going... Holy shit, who cut that edit? Oh my god, that is so Who's bad. Getting fired. Yeah, that is so bad. Uh, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Let us know how you feel in the comments below. That's gonna do it for today's show. Faye will be streaming after the show here today. Give us a few minutes to relabel things. She'll be back in the world of Baldur's Gate 3. We'll be back Saturday night for some gaming gumbo. And of course, Final Fantasy TCG on Monday nights streamed from our live locals. Until the show next week, Travis, where can everybody find you, sir? Check me out. Uh, you've got my Twitter handle up there uh, at Marvels underscore the. You can check me out at Rudros Entertainment. That's my main YouTube channel. Just linked it in the chat. And you can hang out at my Discord as well uh, where we talk about uh, FFTCG, Disney Lorcana, all that fun stuff. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming. Appreciate it. Tarkoth. Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, all at Tarkoth Gaming. And you can find me here Saturday nights on Ready Check Radio. And we're still playing Control. Almost done with that DLC. It's been good. It's a good game. It's a good game. I'm Mike Byrne. You can follow me right there at Magic Man One, but more importantly, follow at RC Radio, R A I D E O. And you'll know every time we're going live with a podcast, a stream, a video game, TCGs, or we're just hanging out doing some close up magic. I don't know. Follow us and you'll know when. Stay safe. We'll see you on the servers. Single player gaming is dead. Tune in for Baldur's Gate 3. Wait. <laughs>